In Parshas Baalotcha, the first, in this Parsha, there is quite a few topics. One of them is the second Pesach. When they, before they left Egypt, they were giving, they, God told them to offer the Passover lamb and eat it at the, at the night of the 14th of Nisan, the 15th of Nisan, and together with Matzeh and Maron. Basically, they had a Seder. This is the first year after they left Egypt in the desert. They celebrated Pesach. That's the only year recorded that they celebrated Pesach in the desert. The rest of the 39 years, beside the year when they entered the land of Israel, is the old discussion if they ever celebrated Pesach in Egypt or in the desert or not. They did not eat chometz, but there is a discussion in the Talmud if they actually offered the Passover lamb. They eat manna, but they could eat other things too if they wanted to. You're right. What's available was manna. Manna was for free. The <laughs> government gave manna. But uh, bread, you had to get yourself. But the other 39 years, there's all this question if they had, if they had because they did, not off, they did not circumcise their children in the desert. No, most of the Jews did not circumcise their children in the desert. And you cannot be a part of a Passover lamb if you don't sacrifice, if you don't, you're not circumcised. That's why, according to some opinions, they were not celebrating Pesach. But this is the first year that for sure was a Pesach lamb. Everybody was happy. They celebrated Pesach. They offered the Passover lamb. But there were a few people who couldn't, who couldn't celebrate Pesach. Why? They couldn't be a part of the Passover lamb because they were impure. You cannot eat sacrificial meat if you're impure. What makes you impure? One of the main impurities that really makes a difference is being under the same roof with a dead body or touching a dead body or being, being in a very close vicinity with a dead body. These people were impure because they were somehow they touched or were in the same, under the same roof with a dead body. They came to Moses to complain. That's the story. Go ahead, start. There were men who were ritually unclean because of the contact with a dead person and therefore could not make the Passover sacrifice on that day. So they approached Moses and Aaron to that day. Those men said to him, We are ritually unclean because of a contact with a dead person, but why should we be excluded so as to bring the offering of the Lord to its appointed time with all the children of Israel? They came to Moses and they told them, yeah, we, 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 we were impure, but why should, we why should we lose out? That's what they said. Usually, what kind of a question is it? You know, let's say you were your keeper busy. You couldn't fast. Somebody was sick, God forbid. He was in the hospital, couldn't fast on your keeper. He comes to the rabbi, you know, I never had the chance to fast on your keeper. I want to do it next week. You can't. It is what it is. You miss the date, you miss the date. You cannot change it. You cannot get a second... Here there was, they came to ask for a very strange thing. They came and they said, what they really said is because you were busy with a mitzvah, as we see soon, should you get, should not we miss out on another mitzvah. But usually in the Torah and everywhere else, you were busy with one mitzvah, fine. We don't blame you. You're not be punished, but you couldn't do it. They came with something, why should, why, why should we miss out? That's what they really said. Okay, continue. Moses said to them, Wait, and I will hear what the Lord instructs concerning me. As she points out, Moses said to them, Wait, how great, how great is a person who can tell somebody is asking him a question? Wait, I'll, I'll ask God. Give me, I'll pick up the phone. I'll ask God. I'll tell you when. I'll, tell, I'll give you an answer. Just wait one second. Give me a minute. Put you on hold. I'm going to ask God. Nobody, nobody was ever on this level. No matter which prophet it was, they, God spoke to them and God wanted. This is Moses. He spoke to God face to face like a friend. He could speak to God whenever he wants. That he put him on hold. He said, I'll ask God. The, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Any person who became unclean from contact with a dead or is it on a a distant journey, whether um, among you or in the uh, future generation, he shall make a Passover sacrifice for the Lord in the second month of their 
fourteenth day of the afternoon. In the afternoon, they shall make it. They shall eat it with unclean, uh, unleavened cakes and uh, bitter herbs. They shall not leave over anything from from it until the next morning, and uh, they shall not break any any of it, its bones. They shall make it in accordance with all the statutes connected to the Passover sacrifice. God told them, yeah, they can have a second chance. A second chance. A month later, on the 14th of Neophia, exactly a month after Pesach, they can bring a Passover lamb and eat it with matzah and maror one night. The second chance, you don't eat seven days. Only that night, they can bring a Passover lamb and they can have a second chance. That's in this coming parsha, Parshat Balotcha. How do you know when it's a, it's a Passover lamb? What do you mean, how do I know? I mean, how do they know that it was like a Passover, like any lamb? Or is it any a lamb. We make him a Passover lamb. Okay. And he slaughtered, the, the lamb will know that he's for Passover. <laughs> <laughs> but is it uh, the same thing, the second chance uh, still exists up to our days? Is it something that... Only, oh, that's the old discussion. Pesach, yeah. In the time of, let's say, tomorrow the temple is being built and somebody couldn't bring a, Pesa, a Passover lamb the first, he couldn't make it to Jerusalem on the first uh, Pesach, he can fly, take an halal plane, go to the second Pesach and offer a sacrifice. Yeah. But nothing in... Uh, Other things? In a current, right, like structure of temple, for, right? for the whole year. For the whole year? Something that... Um, that's in a spiritual sense, yes. That's a, that's a foundation of something very important. That's what we're going to learn. Exactly this. But let's give it, give it a chance. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's the whole idea. Will we take the idea of Pesach Sheni to our life? Because it's nice if it exists. We all need it, you know? <laughs> you bet. <laughs> all need it big time. Okay, uh, you want to continue? Uh, source number two. It's Talmud from the Sukkot 25 A and B. It is taught in... In a barata that it is written, there were certain men who were impure by the corpse of a person, and they could not observe the Pesach on that day. Before proceeding with the discussion, the Berea seeks to clarify with regard to those men who became impure. Who were they? Who were they? Who were the men who became impure? The Berea answers, they were the bearers of Joseph's coffin which the Jewish people brought with them in the desert. This is the statement of Rabbi Yosel Agalili. Yosel Agalili. The Braita wants to understand all the people. Why is the question with all the people? Because in general, there is a general understanding that in the desert, people didn't die just because they got old and sick. That if they died, who died? That's the question. Why they were impure? What happened? That one opinion says, you know, when, Moses, when Joseph, before he died, he made his brothers swear to him that when they go out from Egypt, they should take his bones together with them. That they carried the bones for four years. Somebody had to attend to the body. They were the people who became impure, who were impure because they were busy with the body of Joseph. Even Joseph was a very righteous man. Jewish law says that somebody who is dead is impure. doesn't make a difference with this. Was it like... Joseph's body was it like a, a whole skeleton, or did they take the bones apart and put them in a they bag? They didn't. No, they didn't put it in a bag. It was all skeleton. Well, in general, tzaddikim don't decay. Oh, very great tzaddikim. Not tzaddikim like me and you, but the real tzaddikim. Like his body was like all intact. Mm-hmm. 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 Many. It's a whole discussion. That's a whole class in its own. One day we'll talk about it. Okay. <laughs> Continue. Rabbi Akiva says. Rabbi Akiva says there were. Mishael and Elizah. Mishael and Elizophon were the cousins of Nadav and Avio. You remember the story of Nadav and Avio? They were the two sons of Aaron. By the day of the inauguration of the temple, they entered the temple mm-hmm. and they offered incense. <coughs> and they got all excited about God and they expired. They died. Mm-hmm. Then these two people, somebody had to bury them. Their cousins, Mishael and Elitzophon, buried them. Then therefore, later, they were impure. I thought they, like, disintegrated. No, 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 no. It's written clearly that the bodies were complete. That was like a fire to get through their noses. Basically, they they died. 
they, like somebody has a big heart attack. I mean, gets excited and it expires. Just finish this paragraph, yeah. Um, who were engaged in carrying the bodies of Nadab and Avihu after they were burned in the holy of holies. Holy of holies. The problem with this opinion is, the question is, when was the inauguration of the temple? Accepted is that the inauguration of the temple was the first of the month of Nisan, Rosh Chodesh Nisan. From Rosh Chodesh Nisan until Pesach, there is two weeks. How long takes a person to, to be purified from debt, from the impurity of debt? What is the purification process? How long it takes? What do you think? Seven days, then by seven days, they should be should be able to sit uh, to sit in a to to they should be able to be pure. That by the fourteenth day they should be be pure already by now. Mm-hmm. Why 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 they are not pure? Why why they were not why they couldn't offer the second impure? So getting along those same lines, yes. getting back to Joseph's coffin. Were they traveling then, or did they, they were not traveling? That's why some opinions said they they they, they, they uh, no. That's why they look for a different explanation. Okay, cause, yes, because otherwise they just leave it alone. It's not so simple to leave it alone, but you can put it in a in a safe place and then leave it alone. You don't have to sit next to it all the time. Try me to dwell on it, but it, but it does say in the text bones, doesn't it? it doesn't says the same bones. Yes. Yeah. So what? You're now. You're, so how do they come up with that? That it wasn't bones. It doesn't make a difference if it's bones or not. You have to be by the. Let's say no, makes no, you. That, that's like, my My I told you that okay. they said bones. No, I'm just saying. In, Commentaries. What do they say? They'll go there another another day. (laughs) Um, uh, Leslie, want to continue? Rabbi Yitzchak says they were unnamed people who were engaged in tending to a corpse whose burial burial is a mitzvah, i.e., which has no one else available to bury it, and their seventh day of impurity occurred precisely on the eve of Passover, as it is stated, and they could not observe the. Pesach on that day, mm-hmm. November. The, the Gemara infers on that day they could not observe it. On the next day they could observe it, although they would be purified at nightfall and would then be eligible to partake in the Paschal Lamb. At the time of the slaughter and the sprinkling of the blood, they were not yet pure. They asked whether the Paschal Lamb could be slaughtered on their behalf. Apparently, they were obligated to perform the mitzvah, the burial of the corpse, although it prevented them from fulfilling the mitzvah of sacrificing the Paschal Lamb, which is a stringent mitzvah. This is the source of the principle that one engaged in the performance of a mitzvah is exempt from performing another mitzvah. Well, then basically, he's talking about there were people who could not do a, a mess mitzvah. You know what a mess mitzvah is? Somebody... Somebody that, uh, you know, I need to be sitting next to the door. Come sit here. I'll sit here. That's okay. I can leave you. I'm not stealing your meal. Please, because I have to go to my home. I don't need a car. Nope. It's all good. Um, I didn't want it to be. I don't know. I'll tell you. What he says here, you know what a mess mitzvah is? Mess mitzvah is somebody that the, the... you know what happened? That somebody who died and there is nobody to take care of him. He has no family. He has nobody else in the world. You know, a person like this, even the high priest, who is not allowed to impurify himself, to, to be busy with, with the dead, you know, a Kohen cannot go to a cemetery. Kohen Gadol even more. Then this, this person... When it comes to a person who, uh, de- uh, you, if you meet a, you go by this on the street and you meet some, and you and you find somebody who is dead, even the high priest has to stop whatever he's doing and to become impurified for the, uh, to pur- uh, to bury this person. Then that's what they say. They're talking about somebody who died. Obviously, according to this Torah Bitzchok, there were some people who died by who died just because they, nobody even knew who they are. No matter what, these are the three opinions of the people who died and, the, and, and the, the three opinions of the people who were busy with dead people and therefore they couldn't offer the sacrifice and that's why they came to Moses to complain, right? 
Okay, now we'll see what the message of the source of this of the tree. Um, you were supposed to read, right? Uh, the theme of the Pesach Sheni is that it is never too late. It's always possible to put things right. Even if one was Tamei, ritually impure, or one was far away, and even in a case of Lechem, when this impurity, etc., is deliberate, nonetheless, he can correct it. Yeah, exactly. What he says here, here is the message from Pesach Sheni, if you want. Then we learn from Pesach Sheni that it's never too late. That's what you learn. Okay, continue. My father-in-law, the Friedeker Rebbe, previously said... Friedeker means the previous Rebbe. Rebbe. Uh, Pesach Sheni teaches us that it is never too late. You can always fix your improper conduct of the past. There might be certain areas of your past behavior that were not up to par. You must know that it is not too late. You can still fix the past. Since you heard this teaching of my father-in-law, the Rebbe, it applies to you. You can and must fix your past behavior. Do not think that this teaching is only directed at the Jewish nation at large. Yes, it certainly does pertain to everyone as a whole. However, the fact that you heard it about heard about it demonstrates that first and foremost it applies to you. If you want to fix the past, the first step is to realize that your past conduct was incorrect and to want to change that. We see this in the Pesach Sheni story. When certain Jews were impure and were unable to bring the Paschal sacrifice, Moses did not initiate the suggestion that a second Paschal service be held. Rather, they needed to recognize what they lacked in protest. Why should we lose out? You see what's going on here? Yeah, we learn from Pesach Sheni that there is a second chance. But when, when, when you get a second chance, when you demand it, if you don't demand it, nobody will give you a second chance. But, but they didn't do anything wrong per se, right? doesn't make a difference. They missed out. How much more if I did wrong? How much more if I did wrong? But, uh, but, uh, but when, when, when somebody is... The idea is that you need to have... To get a second chance, you have to, you have to, it has to bother you. You have to miss it. You feel that something is not right. And then you get a second chance. God is not just coming to offer you, oh, maybe I want a second chance. There is the system. You want to get extra, you have to fight for it. You have to show that you care. If you care, God will care too. But if you don't care, if I don't care, why should God care? Why should he change the rules for you? You want to continue? Michael. Uh, where we see this... Uh, it was only... Where, where are we? Yeah, we see it. Yeah, yeah we see. We see the Pesach Sheni story. When certain Jews were impure and were unable to bring the Paschal sacrifice, Moses did not initiate the suggestion that a second Paschal service be held. Rather, they needed to recognize what they lacked and protest. Why should we lose out? It was only once they were bothered by their situation that uh, Pesach Sheni came into existence. Their protest was accepted, and they were given the opportunity to complete what they had missed. This demonstrates the greatness of every Jew. Even if you are in a lowly state, you can raise your voice in protest, and ultimately your demand will be accepted. At first glance, why did the Jews in the desert feel they deserved a second chance? They knew they were impure, and moreover, they were at fault. The inside of the Jew is always pristine. Improper behavior is merely external and cannot change your essence in the slightest. Since the Jew remained, remains lofty inside, they were able to demand that they not lose out. At the same time, however, they needed to feel that something was wrong, spurring them to protest. Only then they were given an opportunity to effect a change. An important rule then studying Torah is that you are too embarrassed to ask, you will never learn. The same applies to repentance. Don't, don't be embarrassed. Repent that you want to change the past, and God will enable you to do it. There is a Talmudic statement, law by Shan Lamed in Pirkei Avot. It means to say, somebody who is embarrassed to ask questions will never know. You sit by a class. You learn Torah. You learn anything. If you don't ask, you will not know. So, Rob, should we be embarrassed to ask the rabbi about the genie? <laughs> <laughs> about the, the topic that we learn. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, yeah. Robert, so, Pesach is the second night of Passover. No, no. It's a month later. A month later. A month after. A month later. A second chance to celebrate Pesach. 
We, we, we don't still do that. You, you're right, because it's only when you're in time of the temple, they needed to offer Passover lamb, and if they didn't have a chance to offer that on the 15th of Nisan, the first time, God gave him a chance a month later to come to Jerusalem and offer the sacrifice. Okay. We're talking about people who were impure. Right. We defeat the so, <laughs> yeah, what, what? Okay, so the, this, the Paschal Lamb is the sacrifice from a year after the, like, so we celebrate Passover. We celebrate every, Passover every year. Right, so the first Passover Lamb was when they left Egypt. That yes. Was that one, so this is now. This is a year later. This is a year later a in year the desert. Later they actually started the process. Yes, yes. They celebrated they celebrate the first Passover in the desert. And then those who were... And those who couldn't, couldn't do it... Because it exactly, yes. And they got a second chance. Yeah, a month later. A month, month later. later. Why was it a month later? And why not a week later or two or, weeks later? Well, right, or two weeks later. Like you went to God like, chose a month later. That's a good question. Maybe there, I'm sure there is a reason why a month later, but you need to understand the people who are impure. Take it's a seven day process. Right. So why not seven days later? Seven days later, because and later in Jewish in in, in Israel, they were living outside of Israel. As the Torah says in the text, somebody was far away, and he couldn't come. Let's say he lives in Tzfat. he couldn't make it. That God gives him another month, he should be able to make it to Jerusalem. A week later, he will not necessarily be able to make it. Or somebody who is sick, we give him time to recover. Give him a month later, he has enough time to put him, pull himself together. Because if you give him seven days, it might not be enough time to, okay. to do it. And a month also, I think it's rem- reminding the person that the 14th of Nisan, 14th of year. If you do it, the Terriet of Nisan, you know what I'm saying? No matter which day you do, you can always ask one, not a day earlier or a day later. But in general, I believe, I'm sure there is an explanation why a, why a month exactly, not before, not after. But in general, is to give people the chance to do it. How come just Pesach? Like you said, like if you miss... You Nobody know. complained about something else. <laughs> Nobody wanted a second chance for this. Or Nobody asked for you to keep a second chance. <laughs> it, was, it was only Pesach, I'll tell you. It reminds me, once we were here in the, the first year, we came to Seoul and then went to the... To, the, to went to school, and we, I, I met with the with the um, no, what's the name? The head of the board of the education, the superintendent. Rogano, with Rogano, with Joseph Rogano, yes. And I told them, you, the, yeah, the, yeah, they closed them. They closed the school on Rosh Hashanah the first day. I asked them why you don't close the second day. He told me nobody asked, <laughs> <laughs> and nobody asked. You don't close. Here they asked. They got it. Actually, yes. It wasn't a Rosh Chodesh. They told us about Rosh Chodesh, though. Yeah, but that's in, well, Rosh Chodesh is not a holiday. Is Pesach the so, first Pesach in the desert the first holiday? Probably, yes. The, the first yes. holiday in general. Yes, like, yes, yes, yes. Like, so Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, none of that has happened yet. So maybe no, that's no. why this is, this, but that was the only holiday that was mentioned. You're right, you're right. it's never been an issue before. And, and since then, the concept is there. Pesach teaches us about everything goes, not just about, uh, yeah. But you're right, that was the first holiday. It's a whole discussion if they celebrated holidays in the desert. Many, according to many opinions, the desert was more a school for learning. It was not a school for practicing, you understand? Mm-hmm. And the whole idea if they celebrated holidays in the desert is not clear. Okay, so it's not clear. So, but Rosh Hashanah, they should have known about it, theoretically. Rosh you need to understand... They, they, got the, they came out from Egypt on Pesach. They got the Torah, the Ten Commandments, and Shavuos. With all the stories, Moses, <coughs> Moses was at Mount Sinai until after Yom Kippur. You understand? Then after Yom Kippur, it started the whole process of building the temple and teaching the Torah. They, they knew nothing until, until the first year. So why is not Passover the beginning of the year, like beginning of our Actually, 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 it is. Okay. Pesach, the month of Nisan, is considered the first month of the year. Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the year. But Rosh Hashanah, I'll give you an example. There is the beginning of school year, the beginning of a text year. 
There is the beginning of the, in the Jewish calendar, there is the beginning, you start to count months from, Pe- from Pesach. You, 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 you count the, the year from, from Rosh Hashanah. There is two beginnings. We, we counted years all the way from the beginning. Therefore, it's Rosh Hashanah, God created the world. Months. Rosh Hashanah is the, like we, uh, the holiday of creation, if you want. So it's kind of like... Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yes. Right. It's kind of, Pesach is the holiday we came out from Egypt. So that is like the calendar year. Yes, beautiful. The calendar year is, is, is Pesach. Calendar year is Pesach. The first month in the, you know, in the Jewish Torah, in the Torah, there is no names for the month. There is numbers. The first of the month, the Jewish people left Egypt. That's what it's written. The 15th of the first month, the Jewish people left Egypt. The 10th of the seventh month, you should celebrate Yom Kippur. Well, then, when you're saying like, month of Nissan, the month of uh, this, but the point is uh, the names of the month came came to the Jews added the Jews added it in in Babylon in exile yeah in the Torah there is no in the Bible there is five books of Moses there is no Nissan and Iyar and Sivan there is no just numbers Uh, the third month the Torah was given the third month we are now in the third month from Pesach you understand from Pesach Pesach is the first month Think about it. When was Pesach this year? No. End of March, wasn't it? Yeah, beginning of April. April, May. No, it was the end of March. Yes. End of March. End of March. It was my birthday, actually. When is that? Which day? The third month in the Jewish calendar is the time we received the Torah. We left in the first month. Yeah, you understand? Then the whole idea of month is a, is a, then the Jewish calendar, the month we started to count from Pesach. And actually, even in the Torah, the first holiday is Pesach, then Shavuos, the Rosh Hashanah, and Kippur, then Sukkot. When the Torah writes about the holidays, that's the order. Pesach is the first holiday, you're right. Okay, now we're going to learn about, we're talking about, what is the whole idea of Pesach Sheni? The chance to do tshuva, to repent, to fix. That's what the whole idea is. The, the concept of tshuva, of repenting, comes from this, from this, from this uh, story. Then there is one famous story about repenting Then the Rebbe brings down, and we talk about it. Okay, you want to read? Source number four. The wayward son? Yes. Rabbi Meir was sitting expounding in the Beit Midrash of Tiberias. His master, Elisha, passed by riding on a horse on the Sabbath day. They came and said to him, Behold, your master is outside. He stopped his teaching and went out to him. He said to him, What were you expounding today? Okay, there is a story about Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir was a a rabbi, a famous rabbi. He was teaching Torah in Tiberias, giving a speech, a lecture. Shabbat afternoon. Somebody comes to him and tells him, Rabbi interrupted in the middle of his speech, you Rabbi, your former Rabbi is outside waiting for you. Come to, say, come to see you. He came to see you. The former Rabbi was on Shabbos on a horse. The former Rabbi, we mentioned the story, Elisha ben Avuya. Elisha ben Avuya was a great Rabbi who became, who became, who became an heretic. And he... And he he denied Judaism. He became an atheist. That's why he was riding a horse, right? Yes, he, he left everything. As his son will learn why he left everything. You can't ride a horse on Shabbos? No, you cannot ride a horse on Shabbos. Uh, it's an animal, it's not electric, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even if it's not electric, you cannot, you cannot ride a horse on Shabbos. Because you're causing the horse to do work, right? <laughs> also. <laughs> yeah, you're not, first of all, you're not allowed to make it. Your animals have to rest with you on Shabbos. This is true. Oh. It's in the Ten Commandments. Oh, really? okay. Yeah. Also, but um, Rabbi, then Rabbi, Rabbi, he told him Rabbi Meir is outside. Then Rabbi, uh, the, your, Rabbi, your former Rabbi Elisha ben Avuya is outside. Rabbi Meir interrupted his speech, and he went to say hello to his Rabbi. That's how important was his relationship to his, to, with his Rabbi that he interrupted his lecture. Then, the, then Elisha asked him, "What were you teaching?" It's all discussion, what he was teaching, and he told them, your, uh, Rabbi Akiva, your Rebbe, was teaching differently. You, uh, like, he corrected them. Elisha ben Avuya corrected Rabbi Meir on his teaching. Hmm. Sure? Then, Rabbi Meir, Elisha tells them something very interesting. Continue. Uh, 
Okay, he told them, Elisha told Rabbi Meir, enough, don't walk anymore until here is the Shabbos boundary. What means the Shabbos boundary? There is 2,000 feet, uh, 2,000 amot, you're allowed to go outside of the city. If you live inside the city and you walk outside of the city, let's say going on the highway, completely where there is no houses, you can walk 3,000 feet. That's it. You're not allowed to go on Shabbat more than 3,000 feet outside of the city. 2,000 amot, basically. Then, while they were walking together, he was on his horse, and he was walking next to him. Rabbi Meir was walking next to him. Elisha was on the horse. He's not keeping Shabbat. He has no problem. And they were going together. Elisha turns to Rabbi Meir and tells him, return back because you already, I don't want you, God forbid, I don't want to make you disobey, violate the Shabbat. That's what he told him. Then continue. He said to him, how do you know? He said, Miss uh, Rabbi Meir told Elisha, How do you know? Right, yeah, sir. no problem. <laughs> From the steps of my horse, which I was counting, and he has walked 2,000 cubits. Okay, he told him from the steps of, in, of his horse, he knows. He, while he was riding on the horse, he was counting, he was such a smart man, he was counting the, the steps. And he knew that uh, there were 2,000 amot already passed. Yeah. It's almost. It's a good multitasker. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Even he was only a man, even he was only a man, he was still a multitasker. <laughs> Go ahead. He said to him, and you have all this wisdom and you will not repent. Okay, he said to him, Miss Rabbi Meir told him. Go ahead. Okay, he said to him, I'm not able to. Uh, he said to him, why? He said to him, because one time I was passing before the house of the Holy of Holies, riding on my horse on Yom Kippur that fell on the Sabbath. And I, <clears throat> I heard a heavenly voice coming out of the house of the Holy of Holies and saying, Return children, <clears throat> Jeremiah 3.22, except Elisha ben Abuya, who knew my power and rebelled against me. Okay. He says to him, well, he tells him, Abimeir told them, Return. Basically, he played on the world. Mm-hmm. When he told them, return back to the city, he told them, Rabbi, maybe you return. Uh, maybe what? You return. Uh-huh. You return back to Judaism. Right. He meant you return physically. He told them, he, he utilized the opportunity. He told them, Rabbi, maybe you return spiritually. And he told them, I can't. He said, what do you mean you can't? He says, once I was riding on a horse on Yom Kippur that happens to be on Shabbat. Exactly. It's a triple. And the oath, and you keep, and we're, we're it used to be the holy of holiest in Jerusalem. Now you could find a better place. You knew it, the trouble, all the troubles will be with the Arab Zayda. <laughs> he went there with his oath, and the holiest place that the, the, the high priest used to go in Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, and Yom Kippur and Shabbat, like, couldn't get any better than that. And he walked there, and he heard a voice come out from, from heaven that God tells his children, Return to my, my children, beside him, beside Elisha. I said, I'm, I'm doomed. God doesn't want me back. That's the story. Because maybe because he knew all the laws. He says. He, and, and, and he insisted on breaking. Who knew, who knew my power and rebelled against me. You're right. You're not talking about somebody who doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. Anybody else? Maybe second chance. Every, no, anybody else has a third chance and a tenth chance. <laughs> because most of the Jews who were born to non-religious families, they, know, they, don't, they, they cannot be accountable. They don't know. They never, were never educated like this. Why I'm religious? Because my parents were religious. I didn't make a journey. I didn't change my life. I don't know what to do without it. Well, anyway, what kind of a, what job I'll, I'll, I'll do if I'm not going <laughs> to be a rabbi? Yeah. I'm I'm confused. He's uh, Rabbi Elisha made all these triple whammies himself. Hmm. And when he got to this place he heard return. So isn't that his Can he re- read it? He heard return beside read it. Return children. Yeah, okay. continue. Except Elisha Return except. children except Ben Oh, El- except you. Except Elisha ben Avuyo, I heard a voice from heaven that says everybody can return to God. Oh, oh, oh. Only not Elisha ben Avuyo. Hmm. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. 
You got it? Yep. Elisha Benuya can cannot return back. Anybody else is more than welcome to turn back. You know, Cain killed Abel. God protected them from being killed. Why God protected them? Because Cain said, I didn't know that you can, you can kill. I wanted to build up my brother. I didn't know he's dead. I doesn't, the concept of death was not there. God never demands from some, somebody something that it was not by his control, that he didn't know or was not educated or was not by his control. God demands only from people who, are, who know and don't, and don't do it. Then really, you know what's written on hell? The big sign outside for religious Jews only. <laughs> because anybody else... It was not educated. It was not grown. He didn't, wasn't raised with that. You understand? And even today's religious Jews are also, you know, there's so many temptations and so much this and so much this. Elisha ben was one. And even we'll see why we bring the story. We'll get, we are get, getting to it. Continue. You want to read? And all this, how did it come upon him? Rather, one time he was sitting and studying in the valley of Gennesaret. Yes. And he saw a person go up to the top of a palm tree and take a mother bird with her children, and he came down from there in peace. The next day he saw a person go up to the top of the palm tree and take the children and send away the mother, and he came down from there, and a snake bit him, and he died. He said, it is written, you shall surely send away the mother and the children you shall take for yourself, in order that it be good for you and that you lengthen your days. Where is this one's good? Where is this one's length of days? Okay, let's stop right here. There is a law in the Torah that if you have a bird, right, you send away the mother and only then you're allowed to take the babies. Not only this, there is twice in the Bible that's written the the reward. In the Torah, there is no reward for mitzvahs. You have to do it. Finished. No reward. When is there there reward? There is is two mitzvahs in the Torah that has reward. Which mitzvahs have reward? I know your father and mother and you live long. And then send away the mother's bird and you live long. That's it. No other me, no other rewards in the Torah. He saw this thing. Somebody the other day took away the mother, right? The first day. And he came down and everything was good for him. The second day he went and the, the other guy and did the right way. He sent away the mother. Then he took the babies. And he came down. Shh. And he came away, and he, and he, and he, and he, and he came down. Well, one second, no second. Me? No, no. Oh. Then, and he said he saw them coming down, and he died. He says, "What's going on here?" He had a problem with, you know what he had a problem? In today's world, where was God in the Holocaust? What is happening here? How, if, if, if we are the chosen people, and God said they will get reward, God will protect us, where was God? This is, he saw a tragedy. God says that if you do the mitzvah, you live long, and he went down, he died. A, a, a snake came and killed him. That he, he, he lost it. Got the solution. Got the solution, exactly. Yeah, continue the paragraph. Um, where is this one's good? Where is this one's length of days? And he did not know that Rabbi Yaakov, Yaakov had already explicated it in order that it be good for you in the world to come, which is all good, and that you lengthen your days in the future, which is all long. He told them, Rabbi Yaakov says, you live long, right? If you honor your father and mother, you live long. How long? Which world? How long? In the world to come. How long? I have a simple question. How long? What is long? In the the 1500, long was 45. Hmm. In the 1900, long was 75. Today, long is 80, 90. How long? What is long? It's all relevant. It's all, it's all relative. relative. Right? Then people say, oh, you live long. Depends to whom, who you ask. <laughs> and which year are you talking about? Which world are you talking about? When you're at home with the, the kids all summer, it's very, very long. <laughs> <laughs> it's one, a few months is long, right? 
then, then, then long, therefore Rabbi Yaakov was forced to say, what is long? Long is when a person lives in a world that there is no death, afterlife. You see, physically we live a certain amount of time. It's limited. Spiritually, if you do the right thing, you live long, forever. And he says that what God promised live long is afterlife. But Elisha ben Avuya did not know this explanation. And he saw live long. This guy was killed right away. It became disillusioned, like you said. Beautiful, disillusioned. Continue. A while later. Me? Okay. A while later, Elisha became ill. They came and said to Rabbi Meir, Behold, your master is ill. He went seeking to visit him and found him ill. He said to him, Will you not repent? He said to him, And if one repents, is he accepted? He said to him, It is not written. You cause the human being to return to dust. They accept until the crushing of life. At that moment, Elisha cried, and he departed and died. And Rabbi Meir was glad in his heart, and he said, It seems the master departed repentant. And Rabbi Meir tried to convince him to do tshuva a minute before he died, that he cried and died, because he told him, as long as you're alive, you can change it. That's the story with Elisha ben Avuya. In short, there is a long story, but this is the short story. Now we'll read what is the message that the Rebbe wants to bring in connection to Pesach Sheini. Go ahead. The importance of demanding another chance is highlighted by Elisha's son of um, Avuya, known as... Acher, Acher. His name became Acher. The Jewish community called him Acher. Acher means the other. They didn't want to even say his name. The other. The other guy, everybody knew who you're talking about. Uh, a personality mentioned mentioned in the fourth chapter of Ethics of our fathers. Alicia was a scholar who entertained heretical thoughts. He then, did, uh, he then heard a heavenly voice. heavenly voice stating, Return wayward sounds except for Ecker. Hearing that his repentance would not be accepted, he uh, forsook Judah completely. Jude. Because, because he said, because he felt that no, nobody is going to, God is not going to accept him, that he left. He finished. He denied completely. Acher's reaction. Acher's uh, reaction is understandable. After hearing such a dream statement, he would not expect anything different. So, where did he go wrong? Despite the, uh, the dire prediction, Acher should have protested that he, had, uh, that he be given a chance to repent. If he would have pushed his way in and truly tried, his repentance would have been accepted, heavily voiced, uh, notwithstanding. The uh, Rebbe says something very interesting. No matter what, even somebody that God tells them, you are not accepted, he should knock on the door, break the door, and go in. When it comes to tshuva, no such thing as unaccepted. Even, yeah, on a regular day, God tells you, no, you're not accepted. They want to see you. But if you beg, it's like, it's like Pesach Sheini. They came and they demanded a second chance. Tshuva is not something, oh, maybe you come, come, my dear boy. You have to fight for it. Especially somebody, somebody, somebody like that who, saw the, who became a heretic. Then even when he heard the voice of God, he had to fight it. That's what he says. Our sages say, you should listen to everything you uh, Your host tells you. Tells you. With one exception. If he tells you to leave on the same note, Acher should have a, uh, disregarded the voices saying that he, his repentance would be denied. God himself tells us to listen when your host tells you to leave. Acher should not have listened to the divine host telling him to leave the realm of holiness. This is where Acher went wrong. Instead of hearing, hearing the, uh, the heavenly voice, he should have tried to repent. If he would have done this best and demanded that he given another chance, his repentance would surely have been accepted. Indeed, the sages, Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yohanan, ultimately 
succeeded in bringing the rest of the Acher soul. But his Rebbe is quoting from, uh, from the Talmud. There is a saying, uh, everything that you host, you, you, you are coming, you are a uh, guest. Everything that the host tells you, listen to him. But if he tells you to leave, don't listen. Hmm. Then the rabbis accept, adopted this concept to with God. We are basically guests in God's world. Right? God is the host. And God, anything that God tells you, you have to listen. But if he tells you to leave, don't listen. Fight it until you go in. That's Pesach Sheini. That's the message. Elisha ben Abuya's mistake was that he had to know that even he has a second chance. No such thing as somebody who is doomed. Continue Pesach Sheini. Pesach Sheini teaches us an important lesson. If your past conduct was lacking, not only can you change it, uh, in the present and future. You can change it in the past as well. Uh, the prerequisite uh, thought is that you must demand another chance knowing how perfect you truly are inside. When you do that, God will heed your request and give you the opportunity for change. If you want, if you try, you'll get it. Yeah. How do you change the past? It says that you can also change the past. You can change the past. Because in the world of God, time is controlling over time. And you can change the past. You can, you can, if you take the past, if the past is a motivator to become better, then the past becomes considered like a mitzvah. That's the ultimate level. So uh, the one that before you were saying again, the only thing that you uh, can rebel against, not to agree with the host, leave that's kind of just uh, another world that uh, when you feel and hearing the voice it's time to die you still have to fight that's what it is first because of all we're yes about that, uh, no we're talking about tshuva yeah we're talking about repenting not about time to die we're talking about he told them you will not if you cannot I don't not, you cannot return back I will not forgive you basically God told Elisha you will not be forgiven everyone on Yom Kippur every John Yom Kippur is forgiven you come back. He told all the Jews, come back. Doesn't mean come physically die, come back to heaven. He meant come back to Judaism. God said, what well, Elisha ben Avuya heard the sound, please come back to Judaism. Beside you guys, beside Elisha. And the, the Rebbe says, even Elisha can ultimately come back. If he knocks on the door enough. That's, that's the message. No matter what. It's never too late. Even the worst Jew, the worst human being, who did the worst thing in the world. You know, in today's world, there's no forgiveness. No forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Me Too movement created. There is, if, you, if you did something wrong 10 years ago, you're cut off, you're thrown out of your business, you're done. In the world of God, there is forgiveness. You're trying to use the word cancellation, right? So this Cancel culture. Cancel yeah. culture. You can be canceled. So no, no such thing as. Oh, I canceled. never heard this expression. The cancel. Cancel culture. You haven't heard that. Cancel culture. That's a new thing. What means cancel culture? You know when they're canceled. You, just like you said in your days, like, right? yeah. you're canceled. You're canceled. Canceled out. <laughs> Done. So God never By God, there is never such a thing. That's the amazing thing about the Torah. You see, in in court, you cannot say, "Oh, I'm sorry." Sorry, in jail. By God, not. So you can interpret actually another way, like it's never always try to start learning to improve yourself and stuff like this. Absolutely, of, absolutely. It's kind of repentance uh, in some way. Sure, it's for, repentance. For not doing something early or more. It's not about repenting. It's about coming back. You see what he heard from Elisha. I heard Elisha heard the voice. He said, "God heard." God said, "Where's the word?" He says he was he was on, on his horse and heard shuvubanim return children. A tour means to come back. To come back to Judaism doesn't mean to re- you did something wrong. Even you, ne- you never know about Judaism. You're turning back. That's what the Rebbe's call was 70 years ago. Return my children. Return back to Judaism. Everybody has a second chance. That's why the Rebbe spoke about these things. Because that was, that was the theme of the Rebbe. Pesach Shedi is the Rebbe's, if you want, um, mission statement. Everybody has a second chance. No such thing as you're, as you're, you're done. Even if you are Acher, even you are Elisha ben Abuya, even you are the biggest everything on earth, as long as you are alive, you have a second chance. As long as we are alive, my friend. <laughs> you know, the Rebbe used to tell us, Rebbe used to speak, sometimes the Rebbe spoke in public, reprimanding this. 
he used to say later, don't finish by, right after the, the, my talk and everybody say, heard? <laughs> <laughs> no one is looking at himself. <laughs> you heard? And, uh, so when you said uh, hell is only for religious Jews, what about Baal Teshuvah? Like, no, they don't go to hell. Heard? Never, never. They are perfect. They are such sadiqim. They gave up all their first life and they started a new life. They made such a huge change. I don't know if I would make this change. Hmm. Uh, there's also a statement that uh, everybody is good inside. Is it uh, to just Jews or everyone? Every human being is good inside. Jews have a connection to God that they want to be connected, they want to do all the mitzvahs. But every person has a good in them. It's just a matter of digging it out. Only Jew? No, everyone. Right the connection oh. to God, Jews have more. They have a different level of connection. Every human being has a connection to God, not just Jews. But this connection to all the mitzvahs, it's a Jewish longing for God. The non-Jew also wants to do the right thing what God wants from him. He also wants to believe in God. Naturally, people believe in God. It takes a brainwash to polluting the brains to not to believe in God. I mentioned that in the 1990s, they made a survey in Russia... 60-something percent believed in higher power. After 70 years of, of atheism, of communism. It's in, it's well, in your... Uh, you know, in general, all these like, big shots, the Communist Party, they all went to church like behind the... Really? No, yeah. They, I they didn't know that. went to like, light candles or whatever, one way or the other. They, they did something. They celebrated somehow Easter and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. it was not like official. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes. Officially, now, there was no now religion. Everybody's like, now like church is the, the biggest thing. Yeah, the biggest thing Better church and than communism, anything. Sure. Why? Because a person has a need to connect to something spiritual. It's in us. It's not just Jews, everybody. Or I, Jews, if I, 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 I know just a lot of people, they're really scared given to give it a try or any kind of little first step. You're right. They're afraid that it's kind of just, um, I don't know what will happen to them, but this is like... I mean, it's outside of their comfort zone. Right. They're yeah, afraid of the unknown. Right. Some people are afraid they'll give them a breeze. Other people are afraid <laughs> they'll give them a test in Hebrew. <laughs> Other, I mean, anybody who sees me runs away from me. <laughs> then that's why you have to bring them out. You're right. People are afraid, yes. 